Welcome to pivot point number six, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, there's an old Charlie Brown cartoon in which uh, Charlie Brown is asked to write a, a paper on church history. And in the second frame, he says, when writing about church history, it's important to back up to the beginning. And then the third frame, the, the joke is, um, my pastor was born in 1930. Well, I was not born in 1930. Uh, feels like it a little bit today, but uh, I was born in 1960. We're backing up before that. Before the 60s, we're backing all the way to the actual literal 60s. We started with the burning of Rome in, uh, in the 60s, 64, I think. And then we looked at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70. Uh, and then we, uh, I, I looked at three, um, I did three pivot points on the anti-Nicene period. So at church fathers and some movements that were happening during the 225 years between the end of the apostolic period, which we date at 100 A.D., with the death of John, the Apostle John, and the beginning of the Council of Nicaea, which happens in 325 AD. And so that period, that 225 years, we call it the anti-A-N-T-E, anti-Nicene period before the Council of Nicaea. So we're now looking at some things um, that started in the second century, don't actually uh, spill out until the fourth century. So I am skipping a lot I'm not saying anything uh, about um, about the the major persecution that happened under Emperor Tra uh, Trajan Decius. Um, he was a brutal Roman emperor who um, who came to power in 249, and unlike other emperors, he uh, went out of his way to identify Christians. So uh, he had loyalty pledges, and um, everyone except, interestingly, the Jews had to pledge loyalty to a Roman god. Uh, or be killed. And this set up uh, a controversy in the church because a number of people did uh, denounce Christ or pledge their loyalty, their faith to a Roman God. And then later on, they wanted back in the church. And this is an innovation controversy. I mentioned it before. Uh, I'm not saying anything about that. I'm not saying anything about the, uh, actually the first church buildings that were built in the, uh, in the 200s. So um, now you might be surprised, first of all, that, um, that there could be church buildings in the first 300 years because Christians, Christianity was illegal until the Edict of Toleration. And uh, that's true, except, as I said, the persecution during those first 300 years wasn't uh, everywhere and with everyone. It was sort of hit or miss. There were times when it was particularly bad, such as under Nero and under uh, Decius. There are other times when it wasn't very bad, and there are places where it wasn't that bad. So there were church buildings built in the 200s. Now, you might also be surprised that I would even care about church buildings because uh, the church is not about buildings. But um, look, buildings are important. And as one person said, first we shape our buildings, then they shape us. And I think that's nowhere more true than it is with, uh, with churches and worship spaces. So I'm not saying anything about uh, that. I'm not saying anything about Cyprian, the third century bishop who wrote an important work on unity. I'm not saying anything about Antony. Uh, a desert father, third century, who was born to a very wealthy family, gave up all his money and, and moved out into the desert to, uh, to sort of wrestle with God. So we, we, he's not the first monk, and we're going to look at the whole monastic movement later. They don't move out into the desert to escape the corruption of the world. They recognize the biggest corruption is not, not culture. It's in their heart, and they go out to places where there's nothing uh, other than their heart, and they've got to d wrestle with these, this darkness and these demons and other things. So 
Uh, we'll look at the monastic movement later. I am jumping ahead because we're only, we can only look at the top 100 things. I am looking now to the Apostles' Creed. Um, as you may know, the Apostles' Creed is, is one of the rare things that Christians everywhere affirm, not just Protestants and Catholics, but the, the Western Church and the Eastern Church. So this is a schism that happens in the 11th century. We'll look at it, but uh, it's the Orthodox Church, the capital of the Russian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, the Ethiopian Orthodox Churches. Everybody affirms the Apostles' Creed. And um, the other thing that, that you need to understand about this is um, it's a great summary of the faith. Um, it's, it is, um, it's mostly a celebration of Jesus and his gospel. Uh, it's something that is sung by many people, memorized by hundreds of millions, repeated every week by perhaps a billion people. Uh, it's a very important, uh, very important creed. And, uh, of course, like all the topics that actually make it to be one of the 100, we are, uh, we are forced to water ski over the top of this, not scuba dive. Um, so we are, we're not able to look at any of the topics within the Apostles' Creed that could warrant uh, five years of study on a Ph.D. dissertation. So, um, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, the Apostles' Creed uh, is not really written during this Antinocene period it emerges more in the 4th century, some would say the 8th century, but it, it has antecedents <coughs> in the 2nd century, some baptismal creeds that were out there. And so uh, I want to I take it on now. So let me say uh, three things that might surprise you about the Apostles' Creed. One, it's not in the Bible. Two, it wasn't written by the Apostles. And three, it's not the first creed. Uh, by the way, creed is uh, from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. And so the first word of a lot of creeds is credo, uh, I believe, and then you state what you believe. Uh, so we have, um, we have statements of belief uh, in the Bible. So 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, uh, Paul writing, it says, Jesus is Lord. So many would say that's the first creed. But um, this is not even uh, the first uh, creed in, a, in another sense. So, um, so let me say, the Apostles' Creed is important and it gets all the ink because even though it's not found in the Bible, wasn't written by the Apostles, and uh, it's not the oldest creed on record, it is the elevator pitch. It is the summary statement. It is the distillation of the essence of the Christian faith. It is, <coughs> excuse me, a collection of uh, 12 affirmations about God that form the basis of the Christian faith. So there's two big ideas I want to share with you, but let me say a little bit more about the history first. First, the actual development of the creed has been lost on us. We don't, we don't have a smoking gun. We don't have the actual early creed in its earliest forms. Um, an ancient tradition holds that on the day of Pentecost, the disciples uh, the 12 disciples each wrote an affirmation. Uh, so there's 12 affirmations in the Apostles' Creed. Each wrote one part of it, and they put it together. Um, this sounds, you know, uh, wonderful, but there's absolutely no reason to believe that it's true. We don't see the Creed for a couple hundred years, and uh, we don't call it, no one has called it the Apostles' Creed, believing that it was written by the Apostles. It is understood to be a summary of the faith of the Apostles. Um, a second thing to note historically is that it, it seems to develop along the lines of a rule of faith. 
And so there were a number in the second century, there were a number of these rules of faith or the oldest one sometimes um, that you'll read about is the old Roman creed. And there were a number of these that were uh, in circulation. So if you decided you were going to become a Christ follower and you raised your hand and you said to one of the church leaders, okay, I believe uh, I want to identify with Christ. So you shared that. I mean, you obviously made a decision by faith to accept Christ. And then you would enter, <coughs> excuse me, you would enter a period of about a year in which you would study uh, to make an affirmation of what it is that you believed. And then you were baptized. And at that affirmation, uh, the Apostles' Creed is one of the things that you might be tested on. Like, did you, could you affirm all of that? Or had you written your own uh, credo, your own affirmation? And you would, be, you would be challenged to make sure that you were actually affirming the historic Christian faith. The third thing to know about the formation of this Apostles' Creed is that because it comes so early, it's different than the other creeds. So, um, Everybody, as I said, pretty much everybody affirms the Apostles' Creed. Um, most of the creeds later on, and there'll be creeds, continue to be creeds written today. The creeds are written in response to, uh, to challenges in the faith. And so the reason the creeds are written today, uh, continue to be written today, is because we ask new questions. And those new questions... Um, get worked out, and then uh, there is a, a creed saying, yes, I'm going to affirm X, not Y. So most of the creeds are, are, are often advocating secondary points. There's a, there's a handful, about six, that are really important and major and early. But there's a number of creeds that, where the, you know, the Presbyterians are saying, this is what we believe, as opposed to the, uh, the Baptists or the Lutherans. And so there's secondary points that are being noted. The Apostles' Creed is different than that. It is, it is much more basic. A fourth thing to note is that the Apostles' Creed is fundamentally Christological. So there's a little bit about God the Father, and there's a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but mostly it's about Jesus, his birth, um, conception, uh, his, his death, his resurrection. Mostly it is about Jesus uh, and the gospel. And uh, a fifth thing about the Apostles' Creed is that there's a number of uh, minor differences out there when you hear different Apostles' Creeds read. Uh, for instance, uh, many people, certainly the Roman Catholic uh, Church, uh, uses the word Catholic. So I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Uh, so uh, Catholic is the word for universal. So Holy Catholic is referring to the universal church. It's not referring to the Roman Catholic Church, but it causes a lot of confusion today. So a lot of Protestant churches say the universal church or the holy universal church and don't use the word Catholic. Secondly, uh, a lot of, uh, of Apostles' Creed statements leave out the line that Jesus descended into hell. Uh, we do, and that's because as I looked into this, there's just a lot of assumptions you're making to say. It's based on 1 Peter 3.19, which states that Jesus went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Um, you have to make a lot of assumptions to say that, that after his death and before his resurrection, he went into hell and preached there. And it's also, by the way, it's not found in some of the earliest copies of the Apostles' Creed. So, um, so that's some of the history. Let me just make two big points here. And these are perhaps controversial, but um, first of all, not every part of the Bible is as important as every other part of the Bible. 
Now, I happen to be in the camp that says that I believe that the Bible is the word of God, that it is inspired, it is God-breathed. I believe that in the end, when all truth is known, that we will find that the Bible, uh, all 66 books in their original autographs, is properly interpreted, is always true, never false in what it claims. So I, I want to say I have a high view of Scripture. However, uh, not all aspects of Scripture are as important as every other aspect of Scripture. So what we have in the creeds is an effort to distill down the major points. Uh, and, and it's important. Um, I have um, written and talked a lot about the fence posts. So I say, look, at, at Christ Church, um, there are a handful of things that I will fight you over. So I will fight you over the idea that there's one God in three persons and that Jesus is, is God and that salvation is by grace through faith. And so there's a handful of things that I'll say, look, these are not negotiable. <clears throat> and if you want to affirm something else, I mean, you have that right, but, but that's not Christian and you can't be part of this church because these are the things that we actually, uh, these are the things that we defend. Now, there's a lot of things that secondary points that, I have opinions on. I try not to let people know what my opinions are. I want to keep my powder dry to fight over the things that I think really matter. So that sets up the second point I want to make, which is what you believe matters, and it's possible to be wrong. Today, we act as if any sincerely held view is true. It needs to be honored as true. To challenge somebody's sincerely held beliefs is considered very poor form. This is part of our postmodern culture in which feelings and experiences, um, Trump reason and revelation, we'll look at how this, how we got here um, much later on. But for today, my point is, Christianity is not whatever you want it to be. It is something specific. We need to be humble and open-handed on secondary issues. The unity of the church is very important to Christ. So we need to stay together uh, around secondary issues. But there's a basic outline that we're not free to change. Uh, in this country, again, at least in theory, this is still true. We are free to believe whatever we want to believe. However, just because we believe it doesn't mean that it's true. Furthermore, while all people have value, all people have value. Every person has value. Not all ideas and not all claims to truth are equally valid. Christians are those who confess that Jesus is Lord, who follow him, who line up, their worldview to match his, the things that he claimed, the things that he taught, we are going to affirm that. And the Apostles' Creed is the basic statement of those basic claims. So let me recite it here for you as I end. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Christian Church. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body and of life everlasting. Amen. Study the Apostles' Creed. It is, it is ground zero. Uh, Pivot point number seven, we will start uh, a couple weeks looking at Constantine, a very important figure. Have a good week.